This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to Table Flipping. I'm actress Taylor Mishak. And I'm writer Alyssa Littman. Join us as we sit down with guests to unpack how the fascinating, messy women of reality TV have shaped our lives. And of course, dish about Bravo, The Bachelor, and everything in between. Thanks Thanks for for listening. Another week of a lot of news. And, a lot uh, of news. We have um, our, our episode this week is about Siesta Key. We're going to tackle everything that happened with that show um, at the end of our intro, right before our interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, uh, tough stuff. Tough stuff. <laughs> uh, can I start with one piece of lighter news? Yes, please. Okay, this is just, this is nothing to, Harry from Too Hot to Handle has dumped Francesca from Too Hot to Handle because he, quote, fell out of love with her. And I just want to leave that there. When you look at those two people, do you expect Harry to be the dumper there? (laughs) No. No. Although, oh, God, this is a really mean and, like, probably terrible thing for me to say as a woman. She does feel like the... the kind of person who once you start to date them might end up being like the appeal really fades quite quickly. (laughs) And the fact that they were also a long distance relationship for a while, like, are you going to stay, are you going to FaceTime Francesca every night? Boring. I I mean, yeah. What do you guys, (laughs) what do either of them have to say? I would just blanketly (laughs) say, what does any of the cast of too hot to handle have to say to each other ever at all? I know after before and after sex I don't think there's anything to say it's just a trip she did a whole um Francesca did a whole YouTube video that was like her explaining why they dumped why they broke up and and that she was dumped and that she was so sad and I was like wow I did not see I mean I saw your breakup coming but the nature of this is uh is is surprising to me and was it was nice to see a silly headline in this you know today's world so I just wanted to lead with that also today is June 19th it's Juneteenth, you guys. Um, I have a Juneteenth story. Mike and I, um, we were going to participate in this really fun fundraiser that Gather for Good was putting on. It was a, it was like all these places all over the city baked pies, and all the proceeds were going to Black Lives Matter LA. And we, I, I will say, the only thing that Mike loves almost as much as basketball is pie. So having to do like a pie big board where he picks like which pies he's gonna buy if the other pies sell out first was like such an exciting thing for him we looked Mm. at maybe 50 or 60 pies last night we decided we were going to get three full pies for two people which is insane but whatever it's for a good cause um (laughs) and we had like backup plans if those first three had you know gotten sold out really fast right so we get on the website and First of all, they didn't post the pie prices until this morning, right before the pies went live. 
And some of them were like over a hundred dollars. <laughs> So we were like, okay, um, how much money can we spend on pie? And then (laughs) we put the three pies that we want in our basket, right? And normally you would think like with a concert ticket or whatever, there's like a five minute time limit or something once it's in your basket for you to fill out your credit card information. Yeah, that wasn't the case with the pies. So as we're debating which if we should buy $210 worth of banana cream, peach, and apple pie. Oh, my God. Um, uh, the pies just disappear out of our basket. <laughs> and then Mike starts saying that it was my fault because I told him we shouldn't spend $210 on pie. And I started saying it was his fault because he was doing the typing. <laughs> anyway, and we got in a big argument about it and we got no pie. And I guess we'll just have to make a donation to Black Lives Matter instead. <laughs> so, and I, I might have cried, but we're all fine now. That's what being in a relationship is all about. And also, everyone should make a donation or buy a pie if they're available in your area. We literally also, like, the pies were sectioned off by um, parts of the city where you pick them up in. So we started with Westside, and then we made our way over to Sherman Oaks, and we were like, maybe we could go say hi to Tony and Taylor when we get the pie. <laughs> like, whatever. Oh, my God. No, no pies in the whole city. But that's oh great. That's great. Are for they the sold out already? Yeah, they're they all sold out in three minutes. <laughs> Holy shit! I was just about to say, like, repeat the information so that we can all go get pies. But like, that's amazing that it is sold out, and we'll just have to donate to Black Lives Matter LA instead. And yeah, and buy our maybe own you pie. can make us some pies, Alyssa. Yeah, you make pie. Yeah, I've been making a couple pies. They're not as good as these pies, though. Anyway, it was a mm. uh, it was a really dramatic morning. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But I also I I think it's so cute. Um, One more Juneteenth piece of news is that I want to shamelessly plug the Antonio Awards, which Broadway Black is putting on tonight and you can watch them on YouTube. I posted a link to it in uh, my personal Instagram story. And it's just a a really cool like award ceremony that's celebrating black theater in New York. And it's going to have Audra McDonald and Titus Burgess and so many people, including two of my friends, Ashton Muniz and Catherine Allison, which is so tight. Um, And it is it's like. I think it's six or seven in New York. So if you guys are in L.A., it's on a lot earlier. I think it's on at like four or something here, but it's on YouTube. So watch it. There's going to be amazing performances. and It's going to be really neat. And I'm really looking forward That's to that. That's so fun. I love that. Yeah. Um, oh, I wanted to tell you another dumb story that reminded me of uh, you and Mike, which yes. was... <laughs> Tony and I are still like our our biggest guilty pleasure right now because also we're really missing sports so much. Like yeah. we miss sports so so much. On it was like Tony's birthday a few days ago, and he just watched like so many old Eagles Aww. games. <laughs> we watched so much just to like have it on, and it was just like that's what he wanted to do all day was just watch the Eagles. So we did. Uh, but we've had this sort of weird replacement that is not a real replacement, but if you watch it, you'll get it, which is Survivor. We've been watching a lot of Survivor. We're watching season 33 of Survivor, and there is a TV writer on it, and he is so bad at Survivor. He's like physically not very good at any of the challenges he's like terrible at puzzles and then he's really bad at like the strategy and there's just like so many things about it that he's like so bad and we're watching it and he's like tony goes i just don't understand how he could be a tv writer like i just and it was it was while we were watching like basically like a football game like it was basically like you had to go get a ball in the middle of the ocean and like run it back and he was just being like completely just tackled and like 
he's basically drowning. And while he's basically drowning, he just goes, I don't understand how he could be a TV writer. Like he's a TV writer. And I was like, what are you talking about? This guy, just because he like can't swim properly or like play Survivor. And Tony looks at me and he goes, TV writer is the hardest job to get. It is the hardest job to get in Los Angeles. This, you're telling me that this is a working television writer. And we haven't, we are, we're such nerds. We haven't Googled what shows he has written on because we don't want to see who won the season. Oh my like, God. We, to, we always have to wait until the end because it immediately tells you who won if you Google it. So I can. I could just it, look it up for you guys too. That's oh, so that's true. funny. Okay. But we, I just love that he was, he looked at me, he was like, it's the hardest job in like if you can get a tv writer job in los angeles you should be able to fucking win survivor i, I would like, well, bet I, I gotta tell Alyssa and this is my own personal bias first of all i agree second of all i would bet he's a drama writer and not a comedy writer how about that because <laughs> guess what that comedy writer is getting that football in the middle of that ocean let me tell yeah. you right now <laughs> it's true it's true and then it did make me go oh my god mike and Alyssa would fucking slay oh that's nice it's true it's true but yeah that was just a funny little i was like i gotta write that down uh oh let's get into oh uh, becca and garrett and rachel yes. what about that speaking of yeah. another non-breakup breakup i guess A non-breakup breakup so becca and rachel from the bachelor host a podcast together rachel Lindsay is the only black bachelorette uh until matt james was just named she was the only black lead in the franchise um they had a conversation because Becca, you know, pretty famously at the end of her season, picked a guy named Garrett who had some, like, alt-right issues online. He liked some tweets that were problematic. He liked some Instagram posts. Um, I highly recommend listening to this episode of the, this podcast. It was very mm -hmm. interesting, but there's been, like, a lot of waves made about it. Um, Rachel is extremely kind to Becca in this conversation about how her boyfriend posted or fiance I guess posted a like a Black Lives Matter square with a blue line through it for the thin blue line for basically like police lives matter I don't it's very problematic and he mm -hmm. posted this really long I would say uninformed post essentially painting the police as like the underdogs and being cons more concerned for their lives than black lives matter. Um, it's, it's tough. It's not, it's not great. And he's gotten a lot of shit for it. Um, but obviously Rachel and Becca are friends and Rachel wanted to have a frank conversation about how this looks and how this made her feel in this friend, in her friendship with Becca. And she makes it pretty mm -hmm. clear in the interview that she's, you know, Garrett is not her friend. Like, she's not close with him. Yeah. Um, and she did such an excellent job of being very uncomfortably honest with yeah. how disappointed she is in Becca's part in all of this. And Becca really thinks of herself as, like, this, you know, good-hearted person who thinks she can sh explain both sides to each other. And that's just not the case in this situation. No. For um, a couple reasons. <laughs> And I I was incredibly impressed with Rachel. I think it's a really, really good example of if you're having similar conversations in these in your life, how to how to how to hold people accountable, frankly, while still being uh, caring towards them. Yeah. Um, I will also say 
you know, my opinion on Becca is like, she should have never been the Bachelorette. She wasn't that interesting on her season. She got lucky because they pulled a camera trick when Ari decided that he didn't want to be with Becca. He wanted to be with someone else way after they got engaged, where they just decided to do a dual screen roll both sides of the footage unedited. And then America felt really bad for her. Mm-hmm. Um, in this podcast, she says at the top of the episode, I'm not well-spoken. Okay, so you have a podcast on a major platform. You were Bachelorette, um, especially the podcast. The the whole medium is speaking. (laughs) So to me, that's like another form of privilege where you get to brand yourself this like, I'm going to stumble over my words and make mistakes, but you all should still like me and accept me. Well, where Rachel Lindsay has to literally be the most well-spoken and informed person on this issue because she's the only representative of this race for this franchise. Mm -hmm. And it just really, I, I guess Becca deserves credit for being part, you know, taking part in, the conversation to some extent because she did you know she did kind of have to like embarrass herself but I I'm just like fine this is what we're saying like find better people for the franchise yeah it is also I it, that's such a good point talking about you know her whole I'm not well spoken which is just her covering her ass and trying to excuse herself and give herself permission to say things that later she could be like well sorry I said I wasn't well spoken but it's it is insane that she is the less replaceable of the two like Rachel who is so phenomenal and does a really amazing job on the show in all aspects is in at more risk of being replaced by any of the hundreds of other white girls from Bachelor Nation than Becca is right so like Becca just gets to say whatever the fuck she wants and not you know be as careful and I think that's it's so fucked up because yeah, I was I haven't listened to this podcast before listening to this episode, but I told you this after I listened to it. I went, oh no, am I the Becca? No, <laughs> because it, it's really it's a it's a pretty even when they weren't talking about their personal issue regarding Garrett when they were just they were talking about race in terms of Bachelor Nation and they were kind of talking about more broader topics. It's it was really distracting how terrible Becca was and I I don't mean to just like completely you know kick her while she's down but like even just using words incorrectly and defining things incorrectly and like acting as though she's an authority on things that she's just like fucking not um was really blowing me away and the contrast between the two of them was just really insane um so it's it's a it's bizarre that this is how this was the state of the podcast before this even happened yeah and I also want to give there was so you're right in that it was a really good lesson uh, and model of having difficult conversations with people you care about because uh, uh, Rachel would also say things like, and I, I'm grateful that you're giving me this space to to go hard on you or to be confrontational and that you asked me to have this and, and, you're, and you're giving me the permission to just be honest and I care about you enough that I'm going to go hard. And he was being malicious. This is something yeah. that is... Garrett is the problem. But instead of just, she would like lead with like, hey, you're helping me. You're giving me permission to have this really intense conversation, right? Which like she doesn't even need to do, but she did. And I think some people would have to use those tools too. You know, if you're not as, I don't know, confrontational, I don't know. But I think women also have this, um, 
this instinct to make things okay, right? Like to just say when, when Becca says, and I hope, you know, I hope that's, I hope I'm saying that right. I hope that's not wrong or whatever. I think my personal instinct would be like, no, 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 for sure. I get you like, you're totally like make her feel safe. And, and Rachel did make her feel safe, but she also was like, Becca, I need to tell you why that's not right. You know? And it was so, it was, it was great. I think Rachel did a really good job. I think we should never, hear any more bullshit about ratings and black leads because of this dynamic that's happening Mm -hmm. like when I said there were duds on the bachelor I meant people like Becca and Ari you know like (laughs) so I I don't want to hear how like race comes into play with ratings that's just like some nonsense you're using to not diversify your your show Uh, that's how I personally feel and it couldn't be more evident um, in the work that the that the people who have been on the show have put out, you know, since their seasons. Yeah. I would also argue it's t- – I mean, sh- Rachel does such a good job of saying, listen, Becca, Garrett is the problem. Like, Becca makes this case for Garrett. Like, he has good intentions and he wasn't being malicious and he just has a lot of friends who are cops and family members and law enforcement. And Rachel does an a, a amazing job of – shining the light on the fact the fact that Garrett is a problem but you also it's it's impossible not to listen to this podcast and go well Becca is also the problem yeah. Becca is the problem Becca thinking that she's an ally while making a case for someone like Garrett mm-hmm. you can't you you can't do that <laughs> it's 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 impossible yeah uh, and and I loved when it it touched me when also Rachel got very emotional being like also do you know how incredibly selfish and insane it is for Garrett to think that he's the only person who's related to a cop or cares about people who work in law enforcement you don't think that's black people have family members in law enforcement like what an insane egotistical like egocentric selfish way to think of this problem and then to try to push it on me like you deserve like they need a PSA fuck you dude but for Becca to be making that case is just as big of a problem to me as what everything that Garrett is doing it's ugh, it's really dark and now we're reading all of these headlines of uh them potentially like what yeah. we said earlier half breaking up half not breaking up and it's like what is that yeah Becca's that a, just a, a, trying break to be up. like I don't know the state of our relationship and it's like okay well then you're still in a relationship like you don't get credit for like kind of having a problem with your boyfriend like not supporting Black Lives Matter like you're either with him or you're not like it's pretty plain yeah. and simple <laughs> you know like, yeah I so I don't know I mean look it's hard I I, I will say it's it definitely hard and scary to be in the spotlight and talk about this dynamic when she's clearly not well-versed or comfortable in it. But the solution is pretty easy. You could just not fuck the guy who already had alt-right memes on the internet from the get-go, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> you oh, never had to be in this blood relationship. Boil. That made my blood boil that his... So when that happened two years ago, his defense was, well, I didn't fully read the captions and I didn't fully understand what the posts were when I double tapped them. And now I feel like people are doing that to me. Like they're mad at me and they're not even fully reading what I said. It's like, fuck you, you piece of shit. We read what you said and that's what made us mad. We're what a fucking insanely evil I think it's evil to make that your defense I know yeah I'm getting like very worked up about it but I really it's it's bananas to me also Becca if you're gonna use your head let's face it a lot of these relationships of people who are together in Bachelor Nation 
I'm not denying that there could be like some real connections there, but I'm sure the basis of a lot of those successful relationships is a mutual understanding about how you're going to use that celebrity together. Mm -hmm. Like there isn't a successful bachelor couple where one of them is like, well, now that we've met, I just like want to settle down and forget about all this. And the other one's like, are you kidding? I'm doing bachelor live and doing a podcast and going back and doing BIP. Like, yeah, yeah. You have to have the same mentality and attitude about how you're going to use the bachelor power. And obviously, Becca is sitting here trying to make a whole fucking career out of it, even though she's, you know, a, a dummy for sorry, but she is. And this is not it, obviously Garrett doesn't give a flying fuck. Yeah. So even if you also are a piece of shit and you're bigoted like him, Becca, he's obviously not aligned with you and how you want to do use your fucking career. So, like, I don't understand why she is trying to like you said or earlier have have her cake and eat it too in every regard like you just you you, you can't i just I also just want to remind everyone that she had the absolute worst style of any bachelorette in the whole fucking show so <laughs> nobody's a fan it's okay uh, we really don't need to hear from you if you're going to continue dating this problematic guy yeah it's totally yep, fine yep, yep. we can just move listen. on <laughs> i just pulled it up i want it so that people can know okay so it's the bachelor happy hour and it is the episode uh from june 9th race diversity and bachelor nation rachel also just speaks like more specifically to her experience being cast in her initial season and then when she came back as the bachelorette and i learned a lot of stuff and i and she's just so easy to listen to and really great um so i would i would give that a listen yeah they did a good um, job should we let's yeah talk about the key <laughs> all right guys let's this has been a real roller coaster of emotions so about a month ago um my friend very talented comedy writer sean clemens he suggested this show so siesta key to us we fucking watched the whole thing it was awesome it's it was a very enjoyable show and we knew that there was a second half of the season, um, season three coming out, and we knew it was going to be dramatic because somebody had gotten pregnant in between the seasons, and we were very excited to premiere this episode in conjunction with that season premiere. Now, that was on Tuesday. The same day, it came out that one of the lead characters, Alex, uh, said a bunch of really, really, really reprehensible racist stuff online Obviously, we didn't know about that. And they edited the uh, premiere of the new season down from two hours to 54 minutes to cut him out of the season. So they Mm -hmm. have completely removed his presence from the rest of the season. Now, obviously, um, we don't support anything that he said. And we do support uh, the the move to take his ass out of the entire season. I think that's great. They didn't even do that on Vanderpump Rules when they had a similar situation. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would also like to say this podcast is about women and reality TV. And not having Alex in the season just means that we don't have to hear his lies and bullshit and we get to hear more of the women's perspective. So we do mention him a few times in this episode because you need him for context to understand what the show is about. We never praise him um, and, you know, we never will praise him, obviously, uh, because he's a shithead. Um, but I just wanted to like give very clear background that like this was recorded under very different circumstances. Um, and had we had that heads up, I don't think we would have talked about him at all. So correct. Absolutely. We hope that the show goes forward without this shithead involved and continues to, 
you know, that there are casts, like we've been saying with every single show that is dealing with this right now and not just do it in a moment of inflection as a reaction to people being upset, but really like, you know, make sure that you're not going to have to uh, re-edit the entire season because some asshole is a racist. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, we've had uh, so many conversations about this and I feel like, I mean, we're just like, Every, everybody who's listening right now where we're just some viewers and we're watching the shows and getting the headlines at the same time that you are and we're just like trying to keep up and do the right thing and uh, I think it's 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 tough because there's those moments where we feel really embarrassed and we feel really frustrated and there's other moments where I'm like watching this new the edit without Alex and I was loving it and I would also catch myself going oh god but I hope like <laughs> I hope that nothing else horrible happens and I'm allowed to love this it's tough but I mean we're just here and reacting to, to everything in real time along with you guys and we're promising to do our best and making sure that we are spotlighting and celebrating the right people while also you know editing out the people who are like Alex and yeah people cut from that cloth you know and I will say that Sean um our guest shared a very funny long story about a possum that is that has nothing to do with anyone who's racist and so I'm so grateful that you guys get to hear that (laughs) and um he's great he's an awesome guest and there's a lot of good stories in this um regardless of this unfortunate thing that you know happened a couple days ago so a hundred percent one or two things in this episode that I did want to ask you the one just very quickly is yes. if you think that the Celine purse is cute. Oh. I so here's the thing, I'm not a handbag person. I do have a Celine story that I can share. Oh, okay. you have a Celine story. Yes. So I, uh, my first job out of college was working as the second assistant to the three partners of Three Arts, um, which is the management company that I'm now represented by. Um, And on my first like week of work, one of the partners turns to me and Three Arts is located really close to Rodeo Drive. He turns to me he represents Jessica Alba and he goes, Hey, um, can you just take my black card and go pick up Jessica something for her birthday? And I'm like, Jessica. <sighs> and he's like, Alba. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> oh my sure. God. Like I totally know what Jessica out. Al- and he was like, if you need help, uh, you know, my wife, my wife can help you like figure out what she would want. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, what the fuck? I've never been shopping on Rodeo Drive. This is insane. Where do I even go? I'm not sure. I get a text from the wife saying like, go to Celine. Um, and I was supposed to like send pictures of each bag that was an option that I thought Jessica Alba might like, which is crazy (laughs) (laughs) within the budget that I was given. And I was supposed to text them, like pick three or four and text them to this person's wife to approve because they were friends. Um, And of course, like I'm out of place. And the people who work at Celine are like, why are you taking pictures of all of our bags? Like whatever. I'm trying to explain this whole thing. The wife is like not responding. And there's also no cell phone service in the store. And there was like a limited amount of time that I could be out doing this because I had to go back to my desk and work. Um... So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to pull the trigger and buy one. And um, they have like a no returns policy. So immediately Mm. after I buy a bag that's like, you know, a couple thousand dollars, I think, Mm -hmm. I take two steps out of the store and the wife texts me back and says, I don't think Jessica will like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I have to turn my ass around and be like, please, I'm so-and-so's assistant. This is his card. Like, I know he shops here. He gets a lot of gifts for people. Please, can I, I just, I didn't do anything. I just walked out and walked back in. Like, can, look, I'll oh show God, you the oh text, whatever. And the salesperson was really nice and was like, please don't do this to us again. But because we know this family, like, I'm happy to exchange this for you. But let's just be sure. Like, take a step out. Confirm on the phone. And I was like, okay, I'm so sorry. I was like 22. It was so Oh, my God. Terrible. That's so stressful. <laughs> yeah. It was wild. That is insane. Do Look you, at you at the Celine bag story. Oh God. Did you? Uh, yeah, I was like, I don't get it because it just looks like a it looks like a handbag to me. It looks very it similar. Looks like, yeah, it looks like I liked it. So for context for everybody, if you haven't watched the episode, it's just a really expensive purse that Chloe was bought to keep her mouth shut about catching uh, Alex and Juliet cheating. Anyway. So she's like, but I'm keeping my mouth shut. It's called a hush gift, which I had never heard of before. <laughs> and she puts the purse down on the table. And I was like, that's cute. But it also sort of looks like you could get it at Target. Yeah. And then I Googled it and it was $2,700. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I like you, I'm not like a huge purse person or handbag person um I, I just am not and also any one item of clothing or or like an accessory that, that is that expensive just would stress me out constantly but I just wanted to ask you if, if it was cute if I was just like totally out of touch it's cute it's like a it's like a fine purse but yeah. it's certainly not worth thousands I don't think it's dollars. I don't think it's like ugly or anything I think it's definitely like a status thing like people would know that it was a Celine bag I think that handbags are an east coast thing what do you think it's oh. a New York thing right I actually think you might be right I used to I, I when I was looking at it and I was looking at stuff online I was like is this like a thing for people this is so <laughs> terrible of me to say but like with real jobs like people with real jobs yeah. need to carry their shit around and then I was like no all my friends have real jobs and they don't have these like big beautiful designer handbags so maybe it is an east coast thing of just like bopping around and you need a cool purse yeah I, I was know. like I I feel grateful that I was never taught to or I never you know bought into the high-priced bag stuff. There's other stuff that, like, I love clothes and I love fashion and I would buy, like, a $2,000 dress, you know, if I had mm. the money or or I would aspire to buy it. But a bag, I'm like, I don't know. But, you know, I, I do know girls who, uh, like, literally would kill someone to have that bag, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, that's true. Okay, I just wanted to ask about that. <laughs> anyway, we, you guys will get to hear, like, our thoughts on Chloe and how she's kind of like a genius businesswoman, honestly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, Well, I hope you enjoy. Sorry for the long-winded explanation of the show, but we're just we're just trying to keep it honest here at Table Flipping. We're doing our best. All right, today we have a pod with one of the funniest people I know, um, comedian, actor, writer, and host of The Flagrant Ones and Hollywood Handbook, Sean Clemens, who's here to talk to us about Siesta Key today. Hi, Sean. Hey, hi. How's it going? Good. How's your quarantine going? You know, it's going okay. Um, My little joke is that I... uh, I really never expected to raise my child um, mm-hmm. directly. Uh, <laughs> I, 
I assumed I'd be outsourcing that. Um, yeah. But it's funny because I had this job. I was writing for a show that was going to film in Boston, and I was about to leave for 12 weeks to be on set. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to miss so much time with my son. Uh, and then, of course, that didn't happen. We didn't. They shut down or pushed production because of the quarantine. And so it's the opposite. I'm spending every minute with You're there for every milestone. That's amazing. How yeah. old is he now? Uh, he's one. He just, he's 13 months now. That's awesome. Aww. And how is, how old is Bosch, your dog? Bosch is three. He talks about that a lot. I'll say, <laughs> so now that I'm three, it's like, that's how he starts a lot of his sentences. Aww. If like, he wants something. Um, and what's going on really quick before we get into the show with these, um, possums that I keep seeing videos of around your home, I assume. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, you can edit this down. It's sort of a long story about the possum. Like, well, I, I've, there seems to be a family of possums that lives over the back fence. That has been going on for a while. I've seen them out before. Um, I got a very good picture of one on top of the fence the other day. Also, people always respond and go, like, it's not good to see them out during the day. But, in fact, if you As do like a little an research. Omen? Like, what do you mean well, not good to see be, them out? Because like they are nocturnal sign? animals. Like, oh. usually, like, if you see a raccoon out during the day, that raccoon is probably rabbit. Oh. Um, possums actually almost never have rabies because their natural body temperature is so low that most viruses can't live in them. Wow. Wow. Kind of interesting, right? Yeah. If Impressive. You, if you see them during the day, it usually means, especially around here, that like somebody's gardener disturbed their like nest they were sleeping in. Mm-hmm. And now they've like woken up super disoriented like you would in the middle of the night. And they're kind of wandering around like, what the fuck? Like, why am I awake? Oh, <laughs> um, possums. So anyway, I've seen a couple. I got a good picture of one. Then the other day, um, my baby woke up at uh, like 5.30 a.m., which is too early. He usually wakes up at 6.30. It was my morning with him. I went playing with him. He starts to melt down. I go, okay, maybe he'll go back to sleep. I go to lie down with him so he'll go back to sleep on me. He's just falling asleep. I'm like, yes, this fucking rocks. We're going to get like another hour of sleep or 20 minutes, but whatever. I hear barking in the backyard, like crazy barking. I'm like, shit, this fucking dog. And I'm like, my wife is going to be mad at me because it's like her morning she gets to sleep. So she's mm-hmm. going to be like, why aren't you getting the dog? <laughs> so I go and I go and I pull him away. He's like in the back corner of the yard. And I'm like, get in here. And I like don't want to bring him inside either because then if somebody walks a dog by the house, he barks inside the house. So I'm like, just stay here, like calm down. He was like, all right, I'm good. I go back in. The baby's falling asleep again. I'm like, yes, this is going to work. He starts barking again. I walk back. Now I walk back to the corner of the yard like, what's going on? And I see in the corner of the yard, there's this little tiny baby possum. Aww. So cute. (laughs) It's at this time, maybe it's like 6.30 a.m. now. Like we, we had played for a little while. So... I start like Googling, like, what do you do with a baby possum? Because like they, you know, they're not supposed to be out during the day generally. And, and it is the morning, the sun is up and he looks really scared. So it says like, if a possum is, I'm going to get the number wrong, but like if it's shorter than six inches 
from nose to butt, tail not included, it needs immediate <laughs> assistance. What? So it's like, I'm like, fuck, man. And the thing's all scrunched up, like backed up. So I'm like, I can't really see how long oh it is. God, it looks like no. it's like five and a half inches. So I'm like, shit. So then, and I also don't know how to provide assistance. So I start like Googling like different animals. I don't know if you've ever had to call like an animal, like humane society thing, but they're very territorial. So like the first one that I got to answer was in Pasadena. Mm -hmm. And I'm like telling them what's going on. They're like, oh yeah, that possum might need help. And they go, where are you? And I say where I live and they go, we can't talk to you anymore. Oh my like, what? And they're like, you need to call someone else. So then I call like this general Los Angeles one. They go, look, the possum's scared. He's not gonna go anywhere. He's scared, just leave him alone. He's gonna wait till nighttime and then he'll move. If he's still there tomorrow morning, then you need to call someone. Here's, we won't help you, but here's the number of like a possum lady. She is the possum lady who will come and rescue the possum no. for you. So like. And she's, uh, is she just a normal lady? Or is she I employed think she's like by... someone who they've worked with before who does like animal rescue stuff, but is like somehow has a specialty in possums. And okay. so they're, sure. so they give me her number. They're like, call her tomorrow. So you know, I call her like right away. <laughs> I'm like, why am I talking to this schmuck when there's a fucking possum lady somewhere near me? No answer. Just get the voicemail. I leave a long voicemail. But basically I've been told like, leave him alone. Also, I'm like holding the baby the whole time. He starts to melt down. I'm like trying to make breakfast for him. I'm trying to keep the dog away from the back corner. We have this feral cat in our yard. We have a couple cats inside, but we have this feral cat in our yard named Tony who like kills a lot of like rats and squirrels and stuff. So I'm like watching for Tony so he doesn't get it. Oh my That's God. That's nice. But I, I've been told he's going to stay there. So I'm like, all right, I guess we'll wait. As I'm waiting, I look out the window again. He's just walking around in the middle of the fucking yard, like wandering around. I was like, this The baby idiot. possum? Yes, the baby possum is just like in the middle of the yard, just kind of sniffing flowers and eating little bugs off a leaf. And I was just like, this dumbass is going to get fucking smoked by Tony. <laughs> so, so then like we actually like start, my wife now gets up and I, I'm like the, the possum. And I tell her the whole story and we start calling other places. She finally gets this really great woman on the phone. Cause the, I, I like texted with someone who went, this is around the time of the year they fall off their mother's back. So their, their mom, cause they're the only marsupial in North America, I think mm -hmm, mm -hmm. their mom carries them around on her back. And then at some point they fall off and then a they just start like time of year. Like there's a it's possum like, falling season in the springtime. They become adolescents. Oh my they God. They stop being like carried and fed by their mothers. They just, they basically at some point just fall off in the middle of the night and then they go fend for themselves and live their own life. Oh my God, what hopefully... a horrible, like, adolescence. <laughs> That's brutal. That so It's terrible. a really tough way to enter the world. I mean, they're, they're already in the world, but like, it's yeah, a tough way like to enter Yeah, just like fall out of a tree and you hit the ground and, and then you're just like, good fucking luck with Tony and the world. Yeah. <laughs> in this whole process, did you so name I was the baby like, possum? They were like, I didn't. I should have. I was scared to because I was like, he will likely be dead within the hour. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right. Uh, basically, I, they were like, they sometimes they fall off at this time of year. They fend for themselves. It was like, well, we have this feral cat that kills animals. They go, that's part of fending for themselves like that. Unfortunately, that could happen. Then my wife gets on the phone with this woman who goes, 
He's a teenager. He's a teenager. He knows he's supposed to be in bed, but he's staying out late looking for pizza, basically. And I was like, I was like, holy shit. She's like, no, best way to think of it, he stayed up late and he's going out for a late slice of pizza. He knows where he's supposed to be. And then I was like, oh yeah, he's like a fucking scamp. Like he's like a rebellious teen who's oh not following God. the rules. He's staying up past his bedtime. So then I felt okay about it. Tony actually didn't bother him. And then we saw him, a neighbor posted a photo on next door like an hour later that he was like up on the corner and he like, he went through a couple yards. I, hopefully he just found some place to chill finally. But um, anyway, that was the baby possum story. Wow. I, yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for giving me the backstory on all these like drunk possum videos I've seen on your Instagram. Um, we The show <laughs> we're going to talk about today is almost as dramatic as that. Um <laughs> Do you want to tell us a little bit about what Siesta Key is about? Sure, yeah. So um, anyway, we, we watch a lot of reality TV in my house. Mm-hmm. I used to have a reality show podcast called The Reality Show Show. Um, uh, oh, so I didn't know that. That's kind of awesome. ripping me off. Yeah, Hayes oh, and I. Oh, I see. Yeah, wow. Now I feel bad. Sorry. Hayes and I did <laughs> it together. That's okay. We stopped it. People didn't like it. Yours is better. Um, <laughs> but... We've watched a lot of reality TV, and, and as happens, like we, you sort of run out at a certain point where you go, like, none of my shows are on. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And we were in quarantine. I am a fan of MTV shows. I, I watched The Challenge pretty religiously. That's maybe my number one. That's my day one. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, obviously, that came out of Real World, and, and I watched a lot of that. But I hadn't watch an MTV reality show in a while. We watch Vanderpump. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think Grace, my wife, just basically said, you know, a lot of the, like, gossip blogs that I read that keep up with the lives of our Vanderpump friends and our Southern Charm friends uh, who we discuss and our Bachelor contestant people, the Siesta Key cast members pop up in this stuff a lot, too. Like, they just seem to be kind of in the tabloids a little bit. I wonder if we want to try that show. I would describe it as I was not someone who really faithfully watched The Hills, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I would have loved it. I've tried to go back. The pacing of reality TV yeah. has changed in a way where it is hard to go and watch, like, really old seasons of shows. That's true. Um, it was a game changer, but like now people have kind of perfected and improved upon the structures they had. So mm-hmm. uh, I I think it is close to the hills. I mean, as I was freaking out about how much I liked Siesta Key when we started watching it, my wife was like, God, you would have loved the hills. Which yeah. I'm like, I know, I know. <laughs> it's, um, I would say this has more story turns. I think in the hills they tried to manufacture more dramatic stuff. And that's, you know, you sort of feel like the chopped upness of it because we've gotten more savvy to that kind of thing. But um, Yeah. Well, when I watch old real world, I've, I realized like it wasn't linear. Like they were kind of montaging through moments in a day. Yeah. Like I didn't remember it that way. But um, they, the feeling of like watching an actual story arc play out in, uh, in, in like a structured timeline the way it happens now, that's not how it was. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm sure you're right. And it, we did, we went back and watched like a little Laguna Beach and a little The Hills mm-hmm. like a year ago, and it was like it was more vignettes. It wasn't as much of like a story. Right. So this is like a soap opera set in a Florida resort town known as Siesta Key. Um, 
the pilot was, I think, self-produced by the father of uh, Alex Campo. Yes, 1-800-Gary. 1-800-Gary. Yes. So he's sort of the star of the show, and then uh, there's just like his circle of friends and girls that he's dating. Although it's not from his POV, really, ever. It's mostly from Juliet's who is like his main, his Juliet, his like Romeo and Juliet, mm-hmm, on again, mm-hmm. off again, star-crossed lover. Which is the name of the pilot. I know we want to talk about Juliet as the star of the show, but both Taylor and I were sort of taken aback by how excellent Chloe is. Like she, all roads run through Chloe. She's Chloe's like the gossip fascinating. queen. Well, we, so we started with season two because it was available on demand. So we like, we watched the first few episodes of that. Then of course we purchased um, season one, it went backwards <laughs> to get to get context. Uh-huh. But in season two, I was going, wow, I wonder how Chloe started out because she has this kind of like queen bee, like center of the friend circle yes. status, but it, she has tension with so many of them and, and there's like a lot of fighting going on and you go like, I wonder what, I missed in season one that like explained why everyone is like beholden to her and like why things do run through her in this way. And I was excited to go back and see that. And it really never makes sense. Like you never, (laughs) like they, you never go like, Oh, here she's totally cool with everyone and they all love her. And then things got messed up. It's like, no, it starts out with them all being like, you need to go to therapy. Like you need anger management. Like, I feel uh, like part of her key to success is that she is omnipresent. I feel like while watching it, I, there would, they would cut to a scene with Juliet getting her hair done. And then all of a sudden there she is like, she's just sitting in the corner and she's in every single scene and it's doing such a good job at just stirring the pot. And she's also introduced in the voiceover of season two as the pot stirrer, which at first annoyed me. I was like, don't tell me who the, that's so effortful of you to have to label who it is. And within 45 seconds, I was like, oh, Chloe should be a, producer on this show she's unfucking i'm convinced that she is just secretly 40 and she is an executive producer that's like uncredited or something like that like she's <laughs> so good at what she does i think part of it is because she doesn't have sex with all these people you know like every mm. other girl on the show is swapping boyfriends constantly yes and they're like in a state of mania which gives chloe like all the ammo to be like well i heard that this was going on that person and she doesn't care it doesn't affect her like romantically you know what i mean yeah she i mean I think when you guys talk about her being omnipresent, I believe she makes herself available to the producers of the show in the same way that she makes herself available to all of her friends. Like she, she's everyone's friend who they call if something has gone wrong. Like that's sort of her role. Like she is the shoulder to cry on for every single cast member of the show, which is smart. And I, I think that she, in that way also gets them at their most vulnerable and gets all of their information and then takes this stance that is unassailable where she always just goes like, well, I think this person deserves to know this. If I were in their position, I would want to know. Yeah. And uses that to share every piece of gossip she has with (laughs) everyone else. And it's really like, it's never totally wrong. Like, you're not like, 
what the fuck? No, you wouldn't want to know that. You're yeah. like, yeah. I, yeah, I guess you would. But also it was told you in confidence. It's also like, um, why are you smiling while you're saying it? Yes, you know? she loves it. She's, oh, yes. That's, a, that's one of the most relatable things about her is yeah. that she's so juiced up by the gossip. Like, Yeah, even when like Juliet literally punches her in the head, the, her reaction <laughs> is like, I called the police. I filed a police report, but I'm not going to press charges because now I can use this as leverage over her. And I'm like, what What kind of leverage do you get from not pressing charges? Like, what are you going to get out of Juliet other than, like, some money from a court case? Like, the, I don't understand. Oh, I know. The realest thing in the world is, like, right after she gets punched in the head and, like, four people, like, somebody shows up in a car, two people follow her out. And she makes everyone feel the bump on her head and they yeah. all feel it and they all talk about how they can feel the bump and how there really is a big bump there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like. I will oh say I God. do really enjoy that this show and this is like not probably not the perspective that I'm supposed to have, but these girls can actually fight. It's not like a play fight. It's not like slapping. It's like they're ready to haul off and like break each other's faces at any moment of any conflict. No, yes. you sent me a very funny email after the first scene where Chloe has like had her nose broken and you were like, I'm watching this scene where Chloe got her nose broken and thinking this is why you film a reality show in Florida, not Los Angeles. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's just like a different level. Like they're really bringing us the content that we deserve. What do we make of Juliet? She's super interesting to me. You said that uh, she was like clearing away the star and the show starts getting narrated from her perspective in season two. Um, what do we think that she has that other people don't have? Is it just her looks? Is it how articulate she can be? Is it the amount of crying she does? She's a good, she's a good like performer. Like she, she does a good job with the like VO narration for Mm -hmm. one thing, which not, you know, your Garrett's can't necessarily do. Oh, Garrett. She is very beautiful. She's also like a bad person, like a dyed in the wool. Like I think she is bad. Um, And she doesn't see it that way. So you get like really juicy stuff where like to her what she's doing and saying makes sense and you could relate to it she doesn't realize what she's revealing about herself which is often like the best part of reality tv is people believe they are in control of how they're being perceived and are like sort of playing the audience and the camera when actually they're accidentally telling you a truth about themselves they wouldn't want you to know. I think she is so, so hot, and she has no idea what to do with it, and she's using that power for evil. And I think you see it in uh, season two, The Alex and Juliet are fighting about Kara, right? Kara? Mm-hmm. And she is talking She's to so Alex, hot, by the who way. is also so hot. Yeah. But, <laughs> so of course she's fighting with her, because she's like, she's also so hot. Um when she turns to Alex in a private conversation and Alex is going, listen, I really think that Chloe's just bringing her around to stir up the pot. I, you know, I think that Kara might even be just like a pawn in the game for Chloe. And uh, Juliet interrupts him and is like, I just need you to make sure that you say something very mean to Kara. And it's like, what? Like, oh, yeah. You have to say something mean to her. That was awesome. And it's like, dude, that's so, is that to her is exactly what you're talking about, where she thinks that's her being fair and like just and like, I'm, it's like, you know, you are so insanely egocentric and 
evil and being mean. You're telling him to be mean to her publicly. And she's saying it so passionately and unapologetically. It's like she is just so out of touch. I've also never seen a more exciting intro to someone's entrance to a season than Kara just peeling her nose job band-aid off her sh- off her nose oh. like the very first shot of season three i'm like they're not pulling any punches with these no. characters Dude. and they get in that amazing argument her and garrett and she's like you didn't even say anything about my nose job imagine if you got a buzz cut and i didn't say anything it's like oh that was so good uh, they're also I, I, a- I had to write down their very first date Carrot and Garrett, she goes, what if you had three wishes from a genie? What would you wish? And he just thought for so long. And then he goes, probably a jet ski. (laughs) And then he goes, that'd be pretty cool. (laughs) It's like, dude, Alex has like 900 jet skis. If you just want to be friends with him, you don't have to wish for it, you know? And she was like, Cool. Probably a jet ski, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> His three wishes were a jet ski, a jet ski, that'd be pretty cool. A place in California as well that he mm-hmm. could visit. Mm-hmm. He's like, own, own a place in California, like own a house or apartment in California. Apartments on the table for him as a genie wish. <laughs> And then his third is like, spend more time with you, Takara. And she's like, aw, thanks. (laughs) Um, I'm in love with Jared. I love Jared so much. I wanted to watch him uh, kill Robbie with his bare hands. I will leave Mike for Jared. I'm so sad for him. And the more he gets rejected, the more I'm like, I'm right here, Jared. (laughs) I want to double back really quickly just to the Juliet being a bad person thing. And we talked about Garrett. There's one moment where she is broken up with Alex because he hooked up with Kelsey while she was dating Garrett. Right. Then Juliet and (laughs) Garrett start dating. And Juliet says to Garrett, like, people are going to think that we only started hooking up to get back at Alex and Kelsey. And then she sort of cocks her head and looks at him like, that's what we're doing, right? And he goes, I mean, I'm not doing that. I like you. And she goes... Right, of course, yeah. And it's like... Oh, my God. And then later the most she just amazing. openly says that she did that to her friend. Yeah, she says she's it afterwards. Like, she's like, no, that's what I was doing. I thought yeah. he was going to be like, yeah, that's what we're doing. Like, she so badly wanted him... Like, she's like, that's what's normal. I, anyway, uh, that's all. Ugh. I just didn't want to I will also that. say that uh, she... Was important to me. Her <laughs> confidence in being able to be like, yeah, no matter who Alex is dating or thinks he's falling in love with or whatever, even if he's going to, like... I mean, we'll talk about this. Straight up have a baby with somebody. She's like, yeah, but I could still fuck him. And she does. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I've never yeah, had that true. kind of power over and anybody. And vice versa. And why would you want to and vice exercise versa, it of Robbie. Yeah. On, on such an ogre of a person? He's so gross and stupid. he's rich, Taylor. I, I he's just got he, the money. Uh, he's so stupid, though. And if you're just going to fuck him one time every once in a while to, like, prove you have power, that's not, like, going to get you a yacht. Like, I don't. It just doesn't make it. I can't do the, the math in my head. It's bananas. Well, Polly, I can't believe this got left in the show that Polly says he looks like Shrek early in the run of the <laughs> show. And then it's all you can see afterwards. Like they go to a Halloween party and Polly goes like, I can't believe he didn't dress as Shrek. I mean, the guy fucking looks just like him. Look at him. And I'm like, why did you and your dad leave this in? That's what we're going to think of you now. Yeah. Um, wow. Polly yeah. is such a character. Everything he does is just totally botched. Like, 
he could be literally a I think you should leave sketch in every single situation. That's I'm like, such a good comparison. He, his grandma, who I love that they like intro her with uh, equally as dramatic slow-mo walking sequence. Anytime <laughs> she comes in to the scene yes. is like, hey, I have to take you off the trust fund because you're an embarrassment to our family. You keep getting arrested and your dead parents would be ashamed of you. And he's like, mom, I worked out or grandma, I worked out with Garrett one time. And she's like, great, you're back in the trust fund and I bought you an $80,000 car. <laughs> it's like, what's this? Per- you guys have created this monster. Like, make him go get a job or something. It's crazy. He's He's very interesting. Um, he's one of the most sort of entertaining people on the show in a lot of ways because like every time somebody tells him like you need to get a job he goes I have to be honest I don't want to do that (laughs) Um, he just he goes they're they're like you have to stop smoking weed he goes I'm not going to because I do not want to but I hear what you're saying and I'm going to stop driving with it and so like but the show is so good that in season three he's not in it and I didn't notice for four and a half episodes. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God. I was like, shit, there's not even any Polly. And he was one of the people who I was always excited to see on screen because <laughs> you knew something was coming. Yeah. Um, okay, so we had a minor technical difficulty. Uh, Taylor's internet crapped out. But we couldn't finish the podcast without talking about Robbie Hayes, who's on season three of this show, but has also been on The Bachelor and on Vanderpump Rules and might be the thirstiest person in reality TV. Um, what did you think of Robbie popping up to date someone almost 10 years younger than him on Siesta Key? Yeah, well, I'll start off by just saying, like, yeah, the first episode of season three, it's revealed that Juliet has a new boyfriend. It's Robbie Hayes. Uh, and <laughs> that Madison, who was sort of the grounded down-to-earth one, is now in Los Angeles dating a former producer of the show. Yes. Who's, like, 20... Five Four years older or than six? Her. Yeah, years older than it, her. Yeah. Maybe, oh, 21, 21, yeah. So um, at any rate, that that is so shocking. You like can't even wrap your head around it. Then it's like, Juliet's got a new boyfriend who's only 10 years older than her. That might be normal. But it is Robbie Hayes who was, yeah, as you said, on uh, The Bachelorette and then Bachelor in Paradise uh, where he dated Amanda Stanton who sort of looks like Juliet. That's true. Um, yeah. Do you agree? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... And then he popped up on Vanderpump Rules dating Sheena briefly uh, or as like a suitor. I don't know if they dated. (laughs) He doesn't get listed in her like list of guys she's run through. Um, Adam does. She made a list. Oh, yeah. She did make a list. Um, I was going to say that he shaded her on this uh, in this series because he was like the last person I was in love with was Jojo and I was like damn Sheena can't catch a break either even on like other reality shows I know but when we saw him on this Grace my wife was like is he a genius like how (laughs) like how do you get onto three different shows all like you know very popular shows in the social media world and he's someone who's an influencer and has a social media influencer company. It's very savvy. He's obviously a weird, creepy scumbag as well. Yeah. But it's like, how did you pull this off? He um, sort of speaks in like uh, inspirational quotes yes. too. It's so weird. I mean, he must think that that makes him like very camera friendly or something, but it just makes him look like a fucking doofus. You Dude, know? The, when he strings together, he's like, 
Uh, the foolish man is often met with silence while the wise man, like, it's just, you're like, what the fuck? Like, how are you doing this with a straight face? Yeah. Um, I think it's because he's dumb and he probably has nothing else to say because he's not thinking about anything. One of my favorite things, too, about this show, and um, maybe this is a good way to sort of, like, wrap this conversation up, is... Uh, First of all, they're so, they drive so many places on boats, which seems so exciting to me. And when I Kara know. wanted to quit, instead of having a golf cart come get her, they had, like, the equivalent of a boat golf cart for, like, two <laughs> yes. people. Um, and another thing is, like, when we watch Vanderpump Rules or Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, more so Vanderpump, you know the places in L.A. that they're going to. So it's not like I'm getting tricked into thinking the Wellsborn is, like, so um, beautiful and exciting. But when I'm watching Siesta Key, I'm like, as soon as quarantine's over, we're taking a vacation in Siesta Key. Like, oh, my I'm- God. <laughs> we've discussed this so much. And my it's- my sister lives in Florida, and I just, like, I texted her, like, a week ago. I was like, how far are you from Siesta Key? <laughs> She's like, it's about two hours. A lot of people I know take vacations there. I was like, great. Visiting the nieces and nephew and uh, going to that going new to bar. Key. Yeah, yeah, the new bar that they Crescent own. Club. I, do you have a read on whether or not? Because you know, like obviously they sell Sir as like a very like desirable restaurant that everyone wants to go to in West Hollywood, but that's not really the case in reality the unless you watch. Bad. Yeah, unless unless you watch the show. Is there what is Siesta Key like in real life? She okay. Yeah, I I texted. Uh, my sister Erin, um, I can probably pull up the text, but she she did say, like, it's a nice vacation spot. Like, some of my friends really love it. Um, I found the text. And so here you go. It's a popular vacation place. I've seen lots of friends visit and post pictures. My friend Victoria goes every year, and I have a few friends that say it's their favorite family vacation place. Lots of stuff to do, but we've never been. So anyway, that's the recommendation for Siesta Key. I'll see everyone there the second quarantine ends. The stay-at-home order is lifted. We're all We're going all to Siesta Key. We're all going to Siesta Key. Amazing. I want to go to that line dancing bar. And yes, it White Buffalo is the line dancing bar. You will find me there. I will get a cowboy hat. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, thank you so much. And everybody listen to Hollywood Handbook and the flagrant thanks. ones. And anything else? Do you have anything else coming up that you want to talk about or where people can find your very funny Twitter or anything online? Uh, no, my uh, yeah, my Twitter is is uh, at Sean Clements. I have posted a couple of clips from Siesta Key on there, <laughs> uh, and yeah, and Hollywood Handbook. And if you like basketball, which doesn't exist anymore, or if you just want to hear us talk about what we would say if basketball existed, uh, you can subscribe to the Flagrant Ones. Um, uh, but that's it. Thanks for having me. Well, perfect. Thanks so much, Sean. Thanks, Sean.